this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i'm your host g sampath the center is planning to amend the prevention of cruelty to animals act 1960 it proposes to make more than 60 amendments to this law through a bill titled Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act Amendment Bill 2022 this bill prepared by the ministry of fisheries animal husbandry and dairying is expected to be introduced in parliament either in the ongoing winter session or the budget session among the proposed changes is the inclusion of bestiality as a crime the recognition of five freedoms for animals and a new category of gruesome cruelty which would carry enhanced penalties to help us understand the various amendments their implications and how effective they are likely to be in preventing cruelty to animals we are joined by dr abiti vanak from the ashoka trust for research in ecology and the environment bengaluru dr vanak thank you so much for joining us thank you for inviting me it's my pleasure to start with what according to you are the shortcomings of the prevention of cruelty to animals act 1960 that could perhaps have been addressed or would need to be addressed through amendments so the prevention of cruelty to animals act was a really important piece of legislation and uh, was well ahead of its time i mean india was one of the first countries in the world to enact such uh, legislation and it um, it was written with remarkable clarity allowing human humane usage ownership and where necessary even euthanasia of animals and focused on preventing unnecessary cruelty um, you know as with time uh, as time passed some of the penalties mentioned in this act have of course become you know outdated so really the only thing that was necessary was to increase the penalties for you know earlier the penalty for cruelty was about 50 rupees or something like that Uh, but it still came with a jail with a potential jail term of 6 months so the you know the main sort of thing that could be done was to increase those penalties the other thing that that um, that sort of could be done was to uh, try and understand uh, or put cruelty to animals in a more indian context and include fair use of animals because you know indians have a very long history of Uh, association with animals we've we've used animals and in a variety of ways uh, we have great compassion for animals but at the same time there has been a lot of intended and unintended cruelty and some of these practices do need to be uh, brought brought into the act the other thing also that needs to be done is to bring cruelty to wild animals uh, you know it's it's sort of out of the kind of out of the purview of of the sac most of it comes under the wildlife protection act but there are many practices that could have um, you know the act could have also been made better so been more been made more explicit in that regard uh so i i think you know overall the the act didn't really need much much amendment except for an increase in uh, in penalties right so you're basically talking about uh, three kinds of uh, changes you would have liked to see one is of course Uh, enhanced penalties, which I think we do uh, get in some way in this bill uh, amendment bill. The second is uh, a way to address Indian forms of cruelty, uh, 
I'm not sure exactly what you mean here, but maybe you can expand on that later on. And thirdly, of course, the kinds of cruelties which wild animals are subjected to. But again, it's not clear whether that is covered entirely under the Wildlife Protection Act or does this amendment bill also uh, would have uh, ideally considered those as well. So going forward uh, uh, now from this, uh, this proposed amendment bill, do you think it has been drafted to address these three shortcomings, possible shortcomings you've identified, or uh, do you think it's going to do other things? Can you give us a brief overview of what it proposes? So the you know the amendments are as as you mentioned, there's there's lots of amendments that have been proposed under this act, including um, new sections have been introduced or new definitions have been introduced. You know, first of all, let me focus on what is the definition of an animal in in the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act. It's very broad. The it says that any living being that is non-human is considered to be an animal. So uh, it makes it so broad that virtually all of us are guilty under this act, even for routine activities that we carry out every day. If you, you know, if you start looking at it from that perspective, um, so if you started including bacteria, viruses, fungi, rodents, cockroaches, you know, all of these are also animals, uh, pests that we kill in the millions for growing our food. These are all also animals and we do inflict cruelty upon them. The key difference was that the PCA, the, the act as it stands now, is talks about unnecessary cruelty. Whereas the amendments sort of broaden the scope to say any kind of a harm that you cause to animals can become an offense under this act. So in some senses, tries to limit the use of animals or limit uh, even any unintended consequences to you know and unintended harm to animals is you know it's talking about things like gruesome cruelty bestiality uh, and so on being you know has been brought under the uh, ambit of the act they've also tried to introduce something called the five freedoms they tried to uh, you know which in some form already there in the existing act they've tried to bring in uh, the definition of community animals which is really vague uh, and and I don't know what that's it. Well, we do know what it is intended towards because they've tried to bring this concept of community animals also into the animal birth control rules, the draft animal birth control rules that have been proposed. So we know where this is headed uh, and which group of people and which group of animals is directed to. So these are some things that I find very problematic. Some of the pro- uh, provisions of, these, of this amendment are really draconian in nature and are really going to be harmful to the interests of people uh, and they're going to be especially hard for for farmers and for poor people because uh, in general we've seen that the implementation of this act has been directed towards poor people the most uh, and you know people who are often unintended there are lots of unintended consequences of, of their actions or sometimes even in self-defense uh, so you know in in many ways this is a very elite piece of legislation enacted by people or or has been drafted by people who come from a very elite, you know, upper class urban background. Right. So, Abhi, you said that uh, it is sort of made, has it made 
the definition of cruelty which is an offense broader than what it was earlier yes so it's um you know for instance it describes something called gruesome cruelty as any act involving animals which lead to extreme pain and suffering to the animals which is most likely to leave uh, the animals in a lifelong disability now look you know what is gruesome uh, to somebody who um, you know even the sacrifice of an animal for eating may be considered a gruesome act because there's you know a lot of blood involved so gruesomeness is is in the eyes of the beholder and that gruesome what is gruesome needs to be uh, defined very clearly that has not been done so then it op- it's you know it's open to misinterpretation and so there is no distinction in the legal framework of the law between what is gruesome cruelty and what is non gruesome cruelty yeah, or whatever normal cruelty yeah i don't see that here for example you know the other thing also that can happen is uh, no you know due to no intended or deliberate act of anyone uh, say for example if a if a dog or a cow or some other animal gets injured in a uh, road accident okay it can lead to extreme pain and lifelong uh, disability this is not deliberate cruelty um and so you know this those kinds of uh, acts would also be considered an offense under this act if it is not properly read down or if it is not properly described in here um, deliberate cruelty acts and inflicting unnecessary pain and suffering are already offenses under the uh, under the principal act so this new offense is it seems very unnecessary in in the present context right the draft also proposes uh, a maximum of 5 years imprisonment imprisonment along with a fine for killing an animal so how does this compare with the 1960 law and with uh, punishments uh, for killing an animal in other countries yeah this is again fairly draconian i mean 5 years 5 years for this kind of provision is it the current act um, i believe has a 6 month impris- imprisonment uh, up to 6 months Uh, along and or with the fine this one you know certainly the fines can be in, uh, can be increased although the, some of the fines mentioned here are really really high but again i you know this this is something i don't have um, too much of an objection to but the five year imprisonment certainly is is quite draconian and um, again it's uh, you know the issue remains how to determine whether the whether the act of cruelty is done deliberately or is an act Uh, is in you know is an accident or is in self defense based on what is allowed on the, under the act you know the principal act as it as it stands even allows for the use of animals in medical testing for the benefit of mankind as well as for uh, religious re- uh, reasons you know across the developed world the issue of these penalties is sec- is often secondary to the intention behind the infliction of cruelty here that boundary has been completely blurred whether something is intended or unintended in fact even now the uh, the supreme court is also hearing a case on jallikattu and if you you know listening to the the arguments there's a lot of uh, the back and forth on, on what is the intention so how can intention be be determined that the framing of that has to be very clearly put out and you know the the, the laws have to be very clearly read down in that in that regard or have to be defined when you you can't make something so general it sort of then makes it almost impossible to enact the rules or the legislation so doesn't the parent act the 1960 act doesn't it have this kind of distinction in terms of intention 
and make exceptions for medical use because if the parent act has it then the amendment unless it the amendment explicitly removes those provisions it shouldn't really affect uh, what the parent act says yes, right yes but once it says things like you no know, gruesome cruelty then it then it opens it up to interpretation so for example many kinds of uh, medical experiments might look very gruesome to a lay person and uh, you know of course there is a, there is an entire group of people who who say that we should not be using animals for any reason in fact uh, the philosophy of many animal rights organizations and so the other thing is here here's the distinction the people who seem to have drafted this seem to come more from an animal rights perspective rather than animal welfare perspective so organizations such as peta claim that you know they come they come from very strong animal rights philosophy which say that we have no business having any use of animals in any way we should not own them as pets we should have not use them for any experimentation etc 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 and that's of course problematic because it elevates it sort of removes humans from a biotic interaction with with the rest of the environment uh, that's not i know that that's in fact that's part of the the problem currently is that people have become disconnected from from the environment and this philosophy aims to do that further so uh, i think it's problematic in any context but definitely in the indian context to create this bridge this chasm further certainly we need to be uh, more pro animal welfare uh, but the animal rights philosophy from an indian perspective is very problematic because it often impinges on the rights of uh, poor people farmers more than you know the privileged class so are you saying in other words that the entire animal rights perspective at least in the indian context is an elite perspective which doesn't really serve any uh, any purpose on the ground because it's mostly uh, the poor and the farmers who are at the receiving end of uh, whatever enforcements may happen from the perspective of protecting animal rights exactly exactly so let's let's also look at this uh, you know the the bill proposes to bestow five freedoms to animals so which is basically uh, freedom from thirst hunger mal- uh, and malnutrition and uh, freedom from discomfort due to environment freedom from prey, pain injury and diseases and freedom to express normal behavior for the species and freedom from fear and distress these are the five freedoms that have broadly been defined now if you look at it the principal act already has some of these provisions in them so i mean i was just thinking these five freedoms uh, we have, we haven't really gone a great way in ensuring these five freedoms for human beings i think that's a separate podcast but yeah let's come back to what you are saying exactly exactly i mean you know if you think about it human rights in india itself are you know we are have, we are not there's a checkered history of it and here we want to give a lot more rights to 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 animals than than humans currently experience uh, especially again you know especially uh, people from from the the oppressed classes or from you know historically marginalized communities and so on so forth yeah so who will monitor and uh, monitor the animals freedoms when there are these five freedoms is very good to read them who is going to enforce them? is it is it peta or organizations like them who will go and do some kind of policing like how will it work yeah so this is what this is what you know this is where the contradictions seem to come in here because uh, this proposed amendment also very bizarrely wants to introduce this whole concept of community animals okay 
Now, this concept of community animals is, doesn't exist anywhere in any act or any current legislation, and it wants to introduce uh, this the, the concept of a community animal, something that has been born into a community. Now, that has not been defined. What is a community? Okay. Uh, presumably, all animals are born into a community. This, you know, the broader community of life on Earth. But if you want to speak specifically of domesticated animals, then let's understand that there is a history of domestication. Domestication means we have taken some wild animal at some point of time in our human evolution and domesticated them so that they have become companion animals, or they become animals that we are that um, that are uh, essential for our livelihoods, okay, our lives and livelihoods. Just as we have domesticated plants to produce food for, for us, and you know those plants are very different from their wild progenitors. Many of the domestic animals are also very different from their wild progenitors. Therefore, their lives depend on us. Okay, it is our responsibility to take care of them, uh, and the rules and regulations currently imposed, including I mean the PC Act aims to do exactly that. It wants to make us responsible for the lives of those animals. What the amendment does is in contradiction to the PC Act. And in fact, the ABC rules 2001 for dogs also are in contradiction because what they do is they want to leave animals on the streets, uh, presumably within the care of some broader, nebulous, undefined community. In fact, doesn't the act define community animal as animals which is owned by nobody? Exactly. So how is that possible? Right? If it's not owned by anybody, who's going to take responsibility for, the, for that? And then how can you say that those animals are now enjoying those five freedoms that that the act aims to or proposes to introduce? So if there's a dog on the street or there's a cow on the street, how can you ensure? Who is going to ensure? the? Is it the municipality's rule? In fact, then... These are contrary to municipal acts and regulations which aim to remove these animals from the street. One, for their own safety and two, for the safety of people. Because we know in India more than 20,000 people die of rabies every year. Millions of people are attacked every year. We have hundreds of children being killed by dogs. They are being killed, attacked and eaten by dogs. Dogs are everywhere in our, they're in our hospitals, they're in our streets, they're in our schools and are a real danger to human life. Uh, but because of this animal rights lobby that's, you know, that's been in force for, a, for the last, or that's sort of gained an unnatural level of almost extra judicial power in our country, we're, we're uh, you know, we have no, no recourse to do anything about this. And... Uh, and I've written about this quite often for many years that keeping animals unowned on the streets is a lose, lose, lose for everybody. Uh, you know, it's poor, it's bad welfare. The welfare outcomes of animals that live on the streets are very poor. The unnecessary uh, danger to humans is very high. And animals such as dogs are also responsible for a lot of killing of wildlife uh, and uh, for, you know, and our bad for native species in general. They've been categorized as an invasive species by the IUCN and the IUCN recommends removing these animals from from the environment. Uh, so, you know, it's keeping them on the street is actually bad for everybody. There is no reason for us to keep these animals on the street. Yeah, I think this community animal, I think it's, it's a really uh, a problematic kind of uh, uh, insertion 
the amendment that we probably need to debate it's been done only for the purpose of uh, some people whose hobby it is to go and feed them on the streets so this is kind of virtue virtue signaling people who feed animals on the streets you know there's been a lot of debate recently there was a the nagpur bench of the bombay high court had said that you should adopt the animal if you if you want to feed it but uh, unfortunately the honorable sc struck down that provision but there are still very strict guidelines that have been put for where you can feed them most people do not follow this in the case of noida where a child was killed by dogs those dogs are still there in that apartment building that society they still haven't been removed and those feeders are still feeding them there right so i mean this community animals so basically what are we talking about are we talking about basically dogs and cows is that it yeah it seems this is this is what it seems to be uh, you know as per what i can read from uh, the intention of this side again it's uh, there, there's no clear logic to this i don't see a logic to this okay so going back to this this five year imprisonment abi i want to just as one point i wanted to make uh, as an ask which i forgot are there any exceptions made uh, to this provision of uh, you know penalty or imprisonment for killing an animal are there exceptions made for uh, killing a cruelty that happens as part of a religious or a ritual a ritual religious procedure so this was uh, it, this was certainly there and i'm not sure that this has been that has been removed in the current uh, so it, i do i think those those uh, exceptions are still there in the in the amendments i don't think that's been removed what it does although what it says that the killings have to be or the uh, sacrifice have to be done in in abattoirs so i don't know how that will affect the killings that are done for religious reasons okay okay and what is the what is the need to suddenly bring in bestiality under an offense as an offense under gruesome cruelty when it was it not there as an offense in 1960 la and since 1960 as india has seen an epidemic of bestiality happening like what was the prompt behind this it seems to me that the the people who written this act are don't seem to understand indian law things are already exist so if cruelty if you are describing cruelty and if you are saying that you can't be you know having an um, act uh, a sexual act with any animal clearly seems to fit the description of intended cruelty under the act also section 377 of the ipc already um, has bestiality as an unnatural act and section uh, that part of section 377 of the ipc is still in force that has not been struck down so what are they trying to achieve with that it's a duplication it already exists right and uh, what is the draft amendment bill uh, propose in terms of any changes to the powers or role of the animal welfare board which is a statutory body under the earlier act yeah so and this is where it becomes really problematic because what it does is it it aims to make the animal welfare board uh, or it aims to get, it gives a very powerful almost like a quasi judicial body it aims to give it powers that were not intended to be given under the original act or statutory body that was supposed to create uh, you know advisories and frame rules and so on but now under this amendment it uh, the awbi and not just the awbi uh, and other you know organizations ngos also affiliated ngos okay they can now go and um, levy fines fees penalties uh, on what basis will does uh, an advisory body suddenly have now the power to do these kinds of the board cannot give itself or be given any such powers or authority that bypasses the procedures 
that are already laid down by various laws and acts. Uh, you know, there is a procedure to be followed. There's a criminal procedure called, you know, we have a lo- long history of proper jurisprudence. This uh, sort of aims to completely bypass that entire process and uh, the AWBI then will render itself judge, jury, executioner, everything. So this is hugely problematic. I don't think it will really stand. I mean, Are you saying then that the, the amendment proposes to make the Animal Welfare Board like more powerful by giving it some kind of teeth for enforcing the various provisions of the law? Yes. So it says, you know, in Section 8 of the Principal Act, so they've, they've uh, they proposed an amendment to Section 8, 18, where it says the after the gift, after the word gift, the words processing fees, penalties, fines, levy, or any other amount directly paid to the board by any person shall be inserted. Now, what purpose? How can the board be processing fees, fines, and penalties? It makes no sense. There is no procedure for this. You know, how can under what current procedures will will the board start collecting money for for uh, uh, as penalties under the under the law? It again, I. This is for legal experts to to debate further. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a lawyer or a legal expert. But but based on the based on reviews that we've received from legal experts, they say this this is not possible. You know, the board itself cannot do that. Right. Uh, we're running out of time, Abhi. So uh, one final question. Earlier in the podcast, you had said that it's it's sort of fairly clear uh, which direction this amendment is headed, and there are fairly draconian provisions. So do you want to expand on that in terms of the broader social impact uh, that you sort of foresee or sort of little apprehensive about if this amendment bill were to go as is? Yeah, so, you know, from, again, let's let's think of which which philosophy these, these amendments are being brought in. These are being brought in from an animal rights philosophy and not an animal welfare philosophy. So the animal rights philosophy is the one that's being you know espoused by organizations such as PETA and you know people like Pete Singer and other play other people and and many sort of uh, uh, celebrities of the animal welfare movement um, in in India. And what it does is that it wants to limit how people can interact with animals. It wants Indians to only interact with animals in a sort of benign way. And that way wants to only be based on what these folks who who seem to draft this you know this uh, this act can determine. So uh, people keeping animals uh, or using them for for farming for agriculture, all of those things are going to become problematic. So we, there's also a whole section on poultry that's been introduced. And this is going to be hugely problematic for poultry farmers because it again gives massive amounts of power to the AWBI and its affiliates to basically go as, you know, I mean, this is increasing sort of the license raj in India. It will have a massive impact on the poultry industry. So it seems to be a very naked power play by the Animal Welfare Board and by NGOs who are associated with the Animal Welfare Board. In fact, it says that it will, uh, they also want to uh, add an addition of having associate for the, like, you know, have um, accredited NGOs which can act on behalf of the board. Right. So, in other words, you're basically uh, sort of uh, expressing a concern that this bill is uh, sort of completely uh, a version that is uh, whose perspective is dominated by an animal rights perspective, which comes at a cost for uh, 
the poor and the marginalized and how they interact with and use animals for their uh, uh, their in their daily lives and you also worry about uh, the return of some kind of a license raj and uh, an, an excessively powerful centralized animal welfare board and its affiliates going around trying to enforce the provisions of the law thank you so much abhi for joining us and sharing your thoughts and views on this amendment bill hopefully uh, there will be much more debate and discussions on this before it goes thank you so much thank you it's my pleasure to be here and i uh, hope we can take this discussion forward in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon